Christ and Christ alone, who was the star of that passage. In that passage, we saw the humility of Christ in the condescension, in the incarnation. He who was high has been brought low or brought himself low for the sake of his glory and for the sake of bringing many sons to salvation. Philippians 2.5 says, have this mind among yourselves, which is also in Christ, who, though he was in the form of God, did not consider equality with God a thing to be grasped, but emptied himself by taking on the form of a servant. Being born in the likeness of men and being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death. Even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name. So that at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. To the glory of God the Father. In this, we also saw the wisdom of Christ. That as his accusers came and threw this adulterous woman at the feet of Jesus in the presence of this crowd, he is challenged with an incriminating question. Verse 4 of John chapter 8 says, Teacher, this woman has been caught in the act of adultery. Now in the law of Moses, he commanded us to stone such women. What do you say? If Jesus says, I disagree, he would be seen as violating the law of Moses. If he says, I agree. Then he is is promoting execution apart from the permission of Rome, which is a capital offense. Instead, Jesus says in his wisdom, verse seven, let him who was without sin among you be the first to throw a stone at her. In this statement, the 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 wisdom and the death of the wisdom of Christ is displayed for all of us to see. Those who heard these words of Christ knew their guilt and one by one they began to walk away. This again was a moment for Christ to display his mercy and his forgiveness to this woman who was found in sin. And we too were like that woman. We were found in sin and Christ by his grace had mercy upon us. Today as we go into John chapter 12 or John chapter 8 verses 12 to 21 we will see Christ as the light. We will see the announcement of light. We will see the rejection of light. And we will see the source or the origin of light. Let's begin this morning by standing for the reading of God's word. And I'm going to stand with you. Chapter 8 and verse 12. Again, Jesus spoke to them saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Jesus answered. Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true, for I know where I came from and I know where I'm going. But you do not know where I came from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true, for it is not I alone who judge, but I am the father who sent me. In your law, it is written that the testimony of two peoples or people is true. I am one who bears witness about myself. And the father who also sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Jesus answered, you know, neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know my father also. Verse 20. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. 
Those who have ears to hear, let them hear what the word of God says. You may be seated this morning. Number one, the announcement of light. Verse 12 says, again, Jesus spoke to them, saying, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Going back now to the textual variant of last week, it appears that the word again, you see in the beginning there in verse 12, look at your Bibles. It says again. It appears that the word again is a link or the proper link between verses 37 and 52 of chapter 7 rather than the passage that we looked at last week. Meaning this, that the passage that we looked at last week doesn't fit with the flow of John's writing. But as we get into verse 12, as it says again, this passage does seem to fit with the flow of John's writing, which is why verses 1 through or 53 through 12 is rejected from the original context or from the original writings of the, the Apocrypha. But getting to the verse today, I am the light of the world. This is the second of seven I am's in the, in the, gospel, in the gospel of John. And they reveal different facets of Christ's nature as God and his work as Savior. In John chapter 1, verse 4, John used the metaphor of light to describe that Jesus is the light. In the Old Testament, light was described in a number of ways to describe or to point to the Messiah. Exodus 13, 21 through 22. Exodus 14, 19 through 20. Nehemiah 9, 12. As I'm saying these and you're looking at me, you should be writing them down. Remember, you don't remember all this stuff? Yeah? Let me do a side note real quick. I hope that you are not relying purely on our studies on a Sunday. I hope and pray that you are doing studies throughout the week, that you're studying through your Bible, that you're reading and considering what does this mean? You're reading and considering who is this pointing to all throughout your week. And I also pray that you're reading through John as we're studying through John. So that when we get to this place, you will have a better understanding of what things mean. I was talking to little Mark about this just a few months ago. And he said it made more sense because I've been now reading what you're studying or what we're teaching. So I encourage you as a side note, study, study your word. Amen. Amen. Going back to the text, as crowds are gathering, Jesus makes this announcement. I am ego me pointing back to the I am of the Old Testament ego me. I am the light of the world. This was the claim that he was God. This was the claim that he was the Messiah. This that he was saying was that he is a light unto the nations who are walking in darkness. I don't think I have to tell you that we live in a dark world. It's pretty obvious, is it not? It, the reality is apparent each time that you step outside of your house. Actually, the, the reality is, par- is apparent even if you are cooped up inside of your house. Whether the darkness is seen on TV, on computers, or even each time you look in the mirror, we are surrounded by darkness. It is the dark and desperate world that each day, in this dark and desperate world, that each day lost people search for truth without the ability to find truth apart from Christ. They search, but their, their search will come, will be frivolous apart from Christ. They will create their own false truths and call those false truths light. They will create their own gods 
that are not gods. And they will call those false gods light, but they are no light. How could they be so deceived? How could they call darkness light and light darkness for a few reasons? Because they are depraved in their hearts and in their minds. Their eyes and their hearts are darkened to truth. In Proverbs 2.13, the Bible describes sinners as those who leave the paths of, uh, of uprightness to walk in the ways of darkness. Proverbs 4.19 says that the way of the wicked is like darkness. Isaiah 5.20 says that they foolishly substitute darkness for light and light for darkness. Romans 1.21 says that concerning the wicked, they are without excuse. For even though they knew God, They did not honor him as God or give thanks, but became futile in their thinking and their foolish hearts were darkened. They are darkened in their understanding, excluded from life of God because of their ignorance or because of the ignorance that is in them. Because of the hardness of their heart, Ephesians 4.18. As a result of their ignorance... Ecclesiastes 2.14 tells us that the fool walks in darkness because of their ignorance. John 12.35 tells tells us that those who walk in darkness have no idea where they're going. So it was with you. So it was with me. It was into this darkness that the Lord Jesus Christ came and announced that he... Is not a light, but that he is the light. Yes. I'll say that again. Yes. He came and announced that he is not a light. Yes. Rather, he came and announced that he is the light. There are not many other lights. There is only one light. Yes. And those who turn from the darkness to the light yes. will find themselves able now by the grace of God to see There is only one way. There are not many different ways. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. He does not even suggest the possibility of there being other lights. Jesus says in John 14, 6, I am the way, the truth and the life. Any other light other than Christ is no light at all. They are merely illusions. They're a mirage. They're a farce. As a matter of fact, they are the devil. The Bible says in 2 Corinthians eleven fourteen, and no wonder for Satan himself disguises himself or Satan disguises himself as an angel of light. Right. Yes. He is a deceiver yes. and he has given many people false lights that they go chasing after only to find themselves in a deeper darkness. Amen. Jesus announces, I am the light of the world. Yes. Whoever follows me will not will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Christ alone brings light of salvation to this sin, sick, sin, cursed world. He is the one who dispels the darkness. He is the one who casts out the darkness. He is the answer to ignorance. He is the joy. His light is the joy. His light is the answer to the darkness of sorrow. His light of life is the answer to the darkness of death. We would think that those who are walking in the light or in the darkness would would flock to the light. Why would you not want light? That they would come running to the light and rejoice that they can now see. But how can the blind man make himself see? 
How, how can the blind man say, yes, I need light unless someone shows him first that he is blind? You can shine a light in the eyes of a blind man all day and there will be no squint in his eye because he's blind. It will take a removal of his blindness in order for him to see the brightness of that light. And that is a work of God alone. There's also another reason. Although the sinner may have heard which direction to travel in order to find light. The Bible says in John 3.19, this is the judgment that light has come to the world and men loved darkness. Rather than the light, for their deeds were evil. So they are depraved, number one, and then number two, they love their darkness. They love their sin. Even as we speak the gospel and as we preach his word. Many of the things that are, that are sinful in our lives, we are hiding from the light as, as the gospel is being shown on your life. We take some of our sins and we hide them in our pockets so that God would not see them. Because we love, we cater, we caress, we pet our sins. God, you can have all of these things, but not this one. This one comforts me. This one gives me pleasure. This one gives me joy. I know you're supposed to be God, the, the satisfaction of all that I, I want and all that I need, but this thing just for now. It was because of sinfulness that we, like Adam and Eve, have hid from the light. Our depravity results or produces the love or enjoyment of our sin. Because we were depraved, it produces a love and enjoyment of our sin. Whether that sin be something as, as, as what we think as evil as adultery or what we think as simple as gossip. They are both the same in the eyes of God. In adultery, you are killing a covenant between a man and a woman. In gossip, you are literally killing a man and a woman with your words. But we see it as no big deal. It's just something that we do. Why am I talking about gossip right now? But for those who through repentance and faith in Christ Jesus turn from darkness to light and away from the dominion of Satan to God, they will receive forgiveness of their sins and they will also receive an inheritance among those who have been sanctified by faith in God. Acts 26, 18. They are rescued from the dominion of darkness and transferred to the kingdom of his beloved son, becoming sons of light, sons of the day. God has called them out. God has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. We are those, as the Bible says in Ephesians 5, who were formerly darkness and now are light in the Lord. He is light. And his light will never be snuffed out. He is light. And his light will never go dim. The Bible says that he dwells in unapproachable light. He is the light that endures. Jesus, as, as Israel followed the, the pillar of fire in the wilderness, so Jesus has called all peoples 
to follow him and not walk in darkness. As for the one who follows him, Jesus promises this, that if you follow the light, you'll never walk in darkness. That if you follow the light, you will never walk in darkness, in the darkness of sin, in the darkness of death, in the darkness of the world, in the darkness of Satan. You will have the light of life. Once again, he's making the general call of the gospel for all to have ears to hear. To come and follow the good shepherd who lays down his life for his sheep. And who are his sheep? They are the ones who come to the light. They are the ones who follow. And because they follow, they no longer walk in darkness, but they walk in light. Have you responded to that invitation this morning? Are you walking in the light? Or are you walking in darkness still? If you have uh, responded to that, to that call, then glory be to God because He has given you mercy. And He has taken away the heart of stone and given you a heart of flesh. Then glory be to God because He has given you eyes to see and ears to hear. But eyes to see what? The light. He announces He's the light. And then He gives you eyes so that you can see and come to the light. The Bible says, if anyone wishes to come after me, or if anyone wishes to follow me, he must deny himself. Take up his cross and follow me. For whoever wishes to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life for my sake, he is the one who will save it. The announcement of light. And how do the people respond when he makes the announcement and makes the invitation to come to the light? How do they respond? Number two... The rejection of the light. Verse 13. So the Pharisees said to him, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. Without surprise, the Pharisees rejected the light. They used as an excuse for their rejection. You are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony is not true. According to the Old Testament law found in Numbers chapter 35, Deuteronomy 17 and 19, every legal matter that was to be established by the testimony or was to be established by the testimony had to be established by the testimony of two or three witnesses. So if you made a claim, there had to be someone there to back up your claim or else your claim was invalid. There had to be others who could corroborate your testimony. They claim that the testimony of Christ was only claimed by Christ because he was the only one that was believing what he was saying about himself. But there were others who could corroborate his testimony. Many others, as a matter of fact, starting with maybe 12 disciples. That's more than two or three. There was also John the Baptist who claimed or proclaimed in John 129, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. There was a testimony of the Samaritan woman who returned to her hometown and testified to her entire town concerning Christ. There's the multitude who saw Jesus perform the feeding of the mass. There's the official son. And there is the official himself. There is you and there is I. There was a number of witnesses. The point was simple though. No amount of evidence. No number of witnesses 
No dramatic miracles would be able to change the hearts of these hard-hearted sinners. I know you feel that in your families. And some of you who are sitting here this morning may be experiencing that yourself. Do I want to be here? How long am I going to do this? I've got the world pulling at me this way. I've got money and job on my mind. And I know that Christ is good, almost like Paul. I know Christ is good. I know what the law is good, but I've got this other thing pulling at me. How long am I going to do this? How long am I going to do this, this Reformation Bible church? There are other churches that I could have more fun in. They are the ones that Paul speaks of. In Romans 1.18, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. No truth, but suppress truth, because acknowledging truth means a change of life. And because we love our sin, we don't want to turn away from our sin. So we'll stay in the darkness and we'll suppress truth because acknowledging truth means responding to truth. So instead of responding to the truth, I'll suppress truth so that I don't have to act upon truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them because God has shown it to them. They and every other person who rejects the light in light of all the witnesses, in light of all the miracles, in light of all the truth being written in their hearts, they reject truth. Therefore, the Bible says in Romans 2, 1, they are without excuse. Because all the evidences has been there. All the light, necessarily, or, or specifically, has been there. Christ has been there. And they have rejected these things. And because they have hardened their hearts, God has given them over to a depraved mind. My dear brothers and sisters, do not follow their lead. Do not follow the, their lead. They are the blind who lead the blind. And both fall into destruction. They are the blind who lead the blind. Do not harden your hearts this morning. Do not reject the light. Do not turn away to your own way. There is only darkness apart from Christ. There is only destruction apart from Christ. Do not turn away. Do not reject the light. It will be devastating for you. It will be devastating if you reject the light. I recognize that this narrow road. That you are on yes. is difficult. Yes. But look around you, brothers and sisters. Yes. You're not alone. You may feel alone. And I recognize that the path is difficult. But there is a crown of life that is laid up for you at the end of this narrow road. So I say to you with encouragement. And I say to you uh, uh, in a beseeching kind of way. Endure. Amen. Press on. Amen. In the face of heartache and pain. Do not reject the light. Yes. Do not say, well, my heart hurts and this is too hard, so I'm turning away from Christ. Don't do that. Endure in the face of frustration, in the face of temptation. Endure. Do not turn away from the light. It will be more devastating for you apart from the light than in the light. Endure in the face of increasing immorality in this world that's slowly creeping into the church. Don't turn away from the light. Endure. Do not reject the light. 
I know it's hard. I know it's difficult. I know that there are so many disappointments. And I know that, that for some reason we think that being in Christ will cause all of our troubles to go away. But you've seen them multiply. Endure. Endure. Keep running. Keep pressing on. Don't turn back. Don't reject the light. It's worth it. He's worth it. I'm reminded of Romans 8.35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? No. Verse 37. In all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life nor angels nor rulers nor things present nor things to come. Nor powers nor height nor depth nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us. From the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It's amazing when Paul goes off on tangents. It seems like, like he just breaks out into a praise, and when he does, he becomes even more theological. Even more, more praise of God comes out when he just seems to go off and on a preach. Endure. And for those who are rejecting the light, repent. Turn to Christ. Turn to Christ. I beg you this morning. Turn to Christ. From the youngest to the oldest in here. Repent and trust in Christ. Turn from darkness and walk in His light. Last but not least, the origin of light. Verse 14. Jesus answered, Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true. For I know where I came from. And where I'm going. But you do not know where I come from or where I'm going. You judge according to the flesh. I judge no one. Yet even if I do judge, my judgment is true. For it is not I alone who judge, but I am the Father who sent me. In your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. I am one who bears witness about myself and the father who sent me bears witness about me. They said to him, therefore, where is your father? Mm -hmm. Jesus answered, you know, neither me nor my father. If you knew me, you would know the father also. These words he spoke in the treasury as he taught in the temple. But no one arrested him because his hour had not yet come. You want witnesses? I'll give you witnesses. Jesus gives him three points. Gives them three points or gives them three evidences of his origin. You want to know where my light comes from? Number one, I know he knows my origin. I know my origin, he says. I know my destiny. Concerning Christ, concerning Jesus, the Pharisees were ignorant. Ignorant of where he came from and ignorant of where he would go. They thought he was a Galilean. They thought he was from Nazareth. They didn't know all the while he's from Bethlehem. And more than that, they didn't know all the while that he's actually from heaven. They knew nothing about him. So every time they said, we know you, Jesus says almost sarcastically, you think you know me. You know nothing. You think you know where I'm going as well. You don't know where I'm going because you'll never go there. Christ and Christ alone was qualified to testify about himself. He needed no witnesses. And matter of fact, he says, if you want a witness, I'll give you a witness. Me and God. That's amazing. So the Bible says, and I'm going to tell you why that's amazing. 
Jesus says, I came forth, in John 16, 28, I came forth from the Father and have come into the world. I am leaving the world again and going to the Father. What's amazing about that is this. Jesus is saying, you are judging according to the flesh. You're judging based upon what you see. You're seeing a man flesh and bones. You're seeing what the Bible says, a man that, that, that had no physical appearance that would attract people to him. But I don't judge people the way you judge people. And even if I did judge people the way you judge people by the flesh, I still would be right. Imagine that. How deep he's saying. He says, I don't judge people the way you do. But even if I did, I would still be right because I'm the only one qualified to judge. I could look at you and judge you according to your flesh and I would still be right in my judgment because he is God. Because I am God. But what makes his statement so amazing is this. Jesus says in verse... Even if I do bear witness about myself, my testimony is true for I know where I came from and where I'm going. But you don't know where I come from or where I'm going. Why is he? Why is that so amazing? Because he says this for it is not I alone who judge, but I am the father who sent me. Number one, I know my origin. Number two, I share a divine nature with God. That's amazing to say in front of these people. He says, I and my father judge. What is he doing? He's making himself equal with God. He's saying, I and my father both judge together. And our judgment is true. The audacity of this man who they were judging according to what they saw to say, me and God are the same. same. Can you imagine? How would you respond? You might have been one of the people who picked up stones along with the Pharisees. This man is claiming to be equal with God. He says, my father is working until now. And I myself am working. We're working together. We are one. Jesus' testimony was true. And they wanted to kill him every time he spoke. Jesus also then finally points to the law of God. And says, in your law it is written that the testimony of two people is true. Now here's your two people. I'm one who bears witness about myself. Oh, you want another one. And the father who sent me bears witness about me, about me. There's your two witnesses. Me and God. Finally, Jesus calls on God to validate his claims. So I know where I come from. I know where I'm going. Me and the father are one. And if you want another witness, he's the other one. Amen. <laughs> Can you imagine the guy? <laughs> Once again, this did not satisfy the Pharisees. And here's their, their question. Where is your father? Now, this may have been a poke at what some believe to be a running joke through the life of Jesus, that he was an illegitimate child. It was possibly an insult toward Christ. In any case, the reply of Christ is simple. Verse 19. You neither know me nor my father. If you knew me, you would also know my father. Now, what about you this morning? Do you know him? Have you, by grace and faith in Christ alone, been brought into the light? If you have, then you know Christ. And if you know Christ, then you know the Father, because they are one. Have you turned from darkness? And have you turned from sin? Have you trusted that though your sins were as scarlet, through Christ you have been made white as snow? Carefully examine these questions Concerning yourself this morning, as we prepare to 
fellowship with the Lord at his table. Consider, examine yourself concerning these questions. Let us not be so quick to assume that we have done all these things and rushed to this table to get it done with. But let us with humble hearts ask God for mercy and praise him for the forgiveness that he offers in himself. And if you have, then you are now in Christ. And because you are in Christ, you have been baptized in Christ. Because he lives, you too will live. You have been baptized also into his body. You have become one with those who are standing beside you. Sitting beside you, in front of you, behind you, across from you. And being convinced of this truth, you have become members of the local body. If that's you this morning, then I welcome you to the Lord's table. If you are a member in good standing, come and fellowship with the Lord. With the light of the world. I'd like you to also do something else today. I was listening to one of my favorite ministers, his name is Alistair Begg. And he says in his uh, Scottish accent, Where are all the people going? There's a rush to get out of the church. As soon as church is over, they rush to the doors. Where is everyone going? Let us consider the word of God as it was taught this morning. And I began to think, he's right. Where are we going so fast? Where are we rushing off to? As the word is concluded, as it has just been, let us consider what has just been spoken from his word. And let us ask him to make those things true in our lives. Let us not partake of the Lord's Supper and give our offering and rush as quickly as we can to beat everyone else to the restaurants. But no, let us consider what God has said in his word this morning. Let us ponder on these truths. And let us ask him to make them real in our lives. Let's stand.